be full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show. And I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Hello and welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. Tonight is a very special night because Jacob has been wanting to talk about this for two years. Tonight's tonight. We're going to (laughs) do Hell Babies. Uh, Yes. I am ever so excited. (laughs) It's hard to know. I'm Jamin taking over the reins tonight. Jacob can't have them. Hi, Jacob. Hi. And Victoria's here. Hi, Hello. Victoria. Hello. How I'm always here. Really? Even when you're sleeping, yeah. I'm always with you. I assumed that you went away when I turned off the Zoom meeting. No, no. You oh, know those. That's why uh, I put tape over the webcam on the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> that time that you were walking on the beach and you thought you were alone and you turned around and you saw footsteps. That was when I carried you. <laughs> Um, so before we get started on our topic, I uh, just wanted to give you a bit of a trigger warning um, that we are, in fact, talking about babies and um, we might be describing some uncomfortable situations with babies as well as some kind of graphic things involving babies. And also, we also wanted to acknowledge that this is a very sensitive subject and just my myself personally, I'm very, very pro-choice, and I personally do believe that uh, access to abortion is a healthcare right for all women. And sadly, it's <laughs> it has to be a right for young girls as well these days, or uh, through time that that has happened. So we also are talking about religious justifications for banning certain forms of uh, women's health and some pretty misogynistic stuff. So we do not condone these beliefs. We're talking about them in a purely academic way and uh, using our impious tone as always. So I hope that this clears everything up and gives you some fair warning. A lighthearted romp this evening. (laughs) So personally, I'm planning to say what? At least six times. <laughs> There's a lot of what. Uh-huh. That's a plan. I have been excited about talking about the final destination of infant souls since we began planning this podcast two years ago. Yes, it's this is true. Very mm-hmm. thrilling for me. I I hope it's fun. He's hopping up and down as we speak. Boing 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 boing. <laughs> so, did anybody bring anything to the party? I did. I know Jacob is super excited about his thing. I'm excited tonight. (laughs) I'm really excited. Technology has (laughs) triumphed. So I'll just jump in and say my thing because it's way less interesting. But I brought a drink as is my uh, as is what I typically do. Um, It is called a mother's milk shot. And it is an ounce of Goldschlager cinnamon schnapps, an ounce of butterscotch schnapps, an ounce of milk. And you combine these in an ice-filled cocktail shaker. You shake well and strain into two shot glasses. Hmm. Thoughts, concerns, questions. They're going to cure me of my alcoholism. 
I tell you what, like cinnamon again, cinnamon and milk. And isn't Goldschlager the one that has like the, the flaky bits? Yeah. Yes. Which is weird. Like, I guess does Goldschlager. Does that come through the milk? Like, is it sparkle milk? Let me look. I, I'll have to look at and see if there's a picture of it. I saw on the oh. internet a webpage that was like someone siphoned out all the gold from Goldschlager and replaced it with corn to make Cornschlager. <laughs> what did they do with all the gold? It's about enough to smear on your thumb, really, when you get right down to it. So I guess it's not like, you know, there's gold in them, our cocktail glasses. Yes, I would, no. I would drink Cornschlager. That sounds kind of good. It was cute. Oh, or put like plastic eyes in it and have eye schlager. Ooh. Not quite as smooth on the palate. It's true. A choking hazard for small children. Well. Who shouldn't be drinking gold flogger anyway. Sorry. <clears throat> well. I brought cabbage soup. Ooh. Ooh. But it's super fussy, super fancy cabbage soup. Yeah, because we were okay. in like Bob Cratchit territory here. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we sliced the pea. Charlie thing. Bucket. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like cabbage soup, but this is... It's milfoil nabe. It's a Japanese kind of hot pot. And like the French milfoil, the thousand leaves of, you know, layered chocolate and cake and chocolate and cake. This is just layered napa cabbage and beef. No chocolate. No, no chocolate. No. Okay. Uh, in a circle around the pot. And there's like hinoki mushrooms in the middle and meatballs. And it's so pretty. And it's, I mean, it's cabbage soup. It tastes good. Oh, I love cabbage. And, and I think, you know... Uh, having a cabbage soup option that is not Charlie Bucket or Bucket yeah. Family fair. Oh, this was definitely a $20 soup, I tell you what. Hmm. <laughs> 20 American dollars? For soup. It sounds <laughs> it sounds very pretty, like a lovely cabbage bloom. Mm-hmm. Does it stay pretty after you boil it? Yes. Does it stay pretty yeah. after you eat it? <laughs> if we can get the show notes up, there's a before and after of my beautiful cabbage soup. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay, Jacob, now okay, it's Jacob. your time to shine. Yes, so the Tormentomatic went into overtime mode today, and tonight's entertainment is being driven alongside the impure of thought into the mouth of a titanic and monstrous human-nosed worm vermin by 100-eyed flies with forks, wherein your hair will be scattered by devils, your mouth will be licked by enormous mountain-sized worms, and your private parts will be gnawed by 100-eyed dragon-like demons with no hope of escape. So I feel like what? the human body is too small to accommodate all of these vexations. Well, you have many years. You can okay, so maybe that's one at a time. Yes. <laughs> There's like a line of each kind of just waiting its turn. An assembly line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like you're on a little conveyor belt? Yeah. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> That is very, that is that, yes, it did good work there today. So, is there any hell news tonight? Why, yes, I have some really good hell news. Actually, it's from February, but it's still, it's still kind of relevant, because there's probably still some consternation of brewing about this. But the headline is, Catholic priest incorrectly performed thousands of baptisms by changing word, making them invalid. Oh, so this happened in Phoenix, and uh, according to the Diocese of Phoenix, all of the baptism that this particular 
priest performed until June 17th, 2021 are presumed invalid. Oh, I... Mm, 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 this assumes that priests have magic powers, and I do not like that assumption. Yes. Okay. So, very good point. Uh, I read kind of a Catholic explainer about this situation, and it brought up that fact, and it used the term, like, Harry Potter thinking, where you yes. actually believe there's magic in particular words and in particular actions. Which will be a major topic of next episode. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. And so this guy, Father Andre Arango, uh, he had to resign. He, instead of using the proper phrase, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He said, hail Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Which flipped the baby switches to evil. I know the little LED in the back of their neck turns red. Never to be switched back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But he, uh, the, the, the issue here was about a pronoun. So he should have said I, and instead he said, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we, we, the congregation, baptize you. So, so. But that's not right, I guess. The issue with using we is uh, it is not the community that baptizes a person. Rather, it is Christ and him alone who presides over the sacrament. So it's Christ who baptizes. So while your thought actually is, I think, the priest's explanation. So his statement um, is, it saddened me to learn that I've performed invalid. (laughs) I fucked up. That's what he said. It was really weird. Um, Saddens me to learn that I've performed invalid baptisms throughout my ministry as a priest by regularly using an incorrect formula. I deeply regret my error and how this affected numerous people in your parish and elsewhere. It didn't. (laughs) Hold that thought. Um, (laughs) With the help of the Holy Spirit and in communion with the Diocese of Phoenix, I will dedicate my energy and full-time ministry to help remedy this and heal those affected. But his explanation was, I believe, that he was, let's see. How many years was this? It ended 21, right? Right. So I'm not sure if they know how many this affected. Let me look at the explainer. And did no one point this out to him beforehand? It's like, oh, hey, by the way, Padre, you know, you messed up. You want to try again? Like, did no one catch this? I have this image of the hand of God descending from heaven, holding a bottle of whiteout. <laughs> I like that. I don't know. Have I ever told you about working at the <laughs> working at the Fiddler on the Roof themed restaurant in San Antonio? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a major derailment, but not quite. Um, yeah. So yes, I worked at a kosher Fiddler on the Roof themed restaurant in San Antonio called Tevia's. It did not last long. I was a busser and I had to dress like a peasant boy. And so I wouldn't be confused with the wait staff because those were, they were mostly women and they were, were, they were little peasant dresses. And we had to have, uh, of course, everything was kosher. If anybody made a mistake, like accidentally turning on the oven on the Sabbath, we would have to shut everything down and have a rabbi come in and re-bless everything. 
So I kind of imagine there's probably having to be some re-baptisms going on, or at least to comfort people, that's probably what's happening. But I can look at the explainer. Uh, oh, but <laughs> can I tell you one more thing about Tevias? Yes. And they, they don't exist anymore, so they can't sue me. Oh. But they were not making money, so they decided to open an after-hours disco <gasps> in the restaurant. Oh. Oh. And the DJ was one of the owner's dads. And the only people who came to the disco was the restaurant staff because we could drink. <laughs> that sounds amazing. They should have had two live Jews play. <laughs> this would have been like 84, 85. Um, so back to our, back to our errant pronoun okay. misusing priest. So mm -hmm. yeah, did the Catholic church just issue everybody a refund? Uh, did they drag these six-year-olds out and redunk them? Like what, what's going on? So it was thousands of infant baptisms. Thousands. <laughs> thousands. Thousands of misdunks. Thousands. Lots of folks are confused. Uh, they suddenly are concerned. And also it, it involved other sacraments because supposedly this happened at weddings as well. And they worry that, yeah, they were, they were truly invalid and wouldn't work all because of the kind of Harry Potter thinking uh. that these words actually have magical power rather than being symbolic. The sacrament, by definition, is the outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Mm -hmm. This is a very silly situation. And yeah, Harry Potter, Harry Potter all over the place. <laughs> so, but you're right. You're right, Jamin. The we uh, came from his desire to express the communitarian significance of baptism and express the participation of the family and those present and to avoid the concentration of a sacred power in the priest to the detriment of the parents and community. So I feel like his thinking was good. Yeah. Very his thinking was very Methodist. You're absolutely right. We, the community, will raise this child as a community. Mm hmm. This one goes goes places for me. I think I think I'm going to have to take a step back. Uh-huh. Breathe. Good to do every now and then. Yes, mm -hmm. I fell over last time. Okay. I have two final questions. Mm -hmm. He said knowingly lying <laughs> again. I have two final yes. questions. Uh-huh. The initial article you linked us was on Fox News. <gasps> right. Why were yeah. you browsing Fox News? And two, two <laughs> I clicked the link and it wouldn't let me read the article because it's like, you have a pop-up blocker. You can't read our article. You must disable your pop-up blocker. Yeah. So mm -hmm. why did you knowingly disable pop-ups on Fox News? Well, because I'm on my work computer, A of all. <laughs> and, and two, I was just so drawn in by the headline that I just didn't even pay attention. Like, I kind of swooned, as Jacob is describing. Yeah. And yeah. I just feverishly clicked on this and then realized later it was Fox News. So, to remedy the situation, I have saged my computer. I burned <laughs> it to ashes. I buried those ashes. And then I salted the ground so that Fox News could not grow there ever again. Mm. The picture you posted immediately after that in our little private hell chat of the baby <laughs> being doused with monster energy drink is beautiful. I it thought is that beautiful. was part of the article. And I was like, what is going on here? It's like, <laughs> oh, we that, need to 
It's yeah. what it's what babies crave. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> we post that on Instagram. Without oh, we context. could totally post it on Instagram. Um, so that was another thing that popped up was that, you know, uh, an assurance that the meme of the baby being baptized with monster energy drink was photoshopped. So oh. if you had any doubt, it's not real. I mean, oh. I feel like if if people allow if people put Coca-Cola in baby bottles and let their kid let their babies drink that, mm. then it's entirely possible somebody has baptized a baby with monster energy drink. What is the motto of monster energy drink, isn't it? Oh no, no. What is the one with like um you've got wings or That's Red Bull. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So maybe it makes angel babies if you pour oh, gives you an energy <gasps> drink. <laughs> this is how we save babies. We just douse them in energy drink. I mean, it's full of vitamin B. It's good for you. And and uh, the electrolytes that babies crave. So how about that topic? The topic at hand tonight. <laughs> Are you ready, dear and listeners? Uh-huh. <laughs> the question is, which we're going to discuss tonight. What happens to the souls of unborn babies? Unbaptized we're babies. We're not baptized. And, yes. And, and, and live and babies, real babies, not just, you know. Not the fake babies. What happens <laughs> not, to the not just souls like bundles of cells. Of the <laughs> innocent. Yes. We're not baptized. There's a problem there. A Uh-oh. huge, gaping, truck-sized problem in that sentence, which is that nobody is innocent until they're baptized. Sir. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now Jamin is swooning. So should we talk um, about total depravity right this moment? Oh, my God. Oh, what's yes. total depravity? Yeah, there's a couple of terms that I think will be useful in today's episode. Mm-hmm. One is the doctrine of total depravity, which is tied to original sin. And that mm-hmm. is Webster, a state of corruption due to original sin held in Calvinism yep. and other groups, really, to infect every part of a man's nature and to make the natural man unable to know or obey God. Fundamentally, at birth, we are distant from God. And why is that? Because God is in Minnesota and we're in okay. Texas. No, there's because... There's no way to get there. Yes, because, um, like to greatly paraphrase Augustine, in Adam's fall, we sinned all through the original sin in the Garden of Eden... Um, the taint of sin is goes through you know, genetically at birth, because original sin is a metaphor for sex anyway, and infects everyone until such time as they are washed clean by baptism. So, okay, I have a couple of questions. And also, I wonder if we should make a mixtape. So, to sum it up, if a child dies before it is baptized, it goes to hell. This is the statement. Maybe. That carries through 1800 pretty well, and it is the subject of a great many very angry arguments throughout the medieval. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, one of the questions that I had is that why is Jesus, why did Jesus not inherit depravity? Aha. Well, Jesus was not born of Adam. Okay. There was n- but Mary was. Mary was no, born of... Okay. No, this is a secret that not many people know. Uh, uh-huh. The Immaculate Conception was not Jesus. It was Mary. Please explain. Yeah, if you see pictures of Mary's conception, which you can see, everybody's wearing their clothes, and her father just looks kind of startled for a moment. 
So Mary herself was, if not exempt from original sin, at least was not tainted by sex. So one of the things that explanations from the Roman Catholics is that Jesus is not depraved because it's not because of Mary and her immaculate conception, but because Mary is free from original sin because of Jesus. So we have this like merry-go-round oh, of tautology, it's chicken a, and egg situation. It's a sin loop. Yeah. It's a, it's a, fr- a sans sin loop. Sans sin loop. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Jesus was definitely a special case. Okay. Of course he was. As was Caesar. Right, 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 right. What? Yeah, exactly. Also, because he was wasn't too, born of a woman. He yeah. wasn't officially born. It's true. Caesar. Everything is true. Mm-hmm. And none of it is true. No, 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 no. That, that's just foundationally <laughs> against our podcast. <laughs> I realized that in the world of baptism... There's multiple kinds of baptism. There's dunking, total immersion. There's the sprinkling and the anointing. There's the fling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeet>. <laughs> the, the, that's the most fun. Whee! So, like, most of my, uh, I, I think I was dunked. I think most of my upbringing was around the sprinklers, right? But how do, like, well, let's stick with Catholicism. How do Catholics baptize? Just a bit this of is, sprinkling? Uh, yeah. I'm doing sprinkling. Like, it's actually like a... Like, well, the monster energy drink, like it's a, it's, it's because Methodists sprinkle. Yeah. Right. And I think there's more of a like chalice situation where there's a, an almost kind of an anointing, right? Like the holy water is poured on the baby's head and maybe mm. it's dunked because there's stories of vigorous dunking by priests. Yes. And <laughs> so I feel like there's some immersion, maybe some just pouring over depending on the, Vigor of the priest, but yeah. I was in the Episcopal Church. Was, we'd open up a nice bottle of Chablis and just kind of pour it on. So, <laughs> and then you go to the cookie bar. Yes. <laughs> so I was my baptism story, and Jamin, I don't know if yours was similar. Uh, oh, mine's great. I, okay, so we were essentially every Protestant religion except for Church of Christ, which I guess people would argue is not really a Protestant religion, but. Um, we went to every single non-Catholic church in San Antonio at one time. And so I was baptized in the Baptist church. I think I was probably eight years old. And we were taken to essentially like a tiny swimming pool behind mm. the altar, naked except for a white dress. And we were dunked underwater by by the preacher. And... I felt it was just something I had to get through so then we could go to Dairy Queen and eat steak fingers. So yeah, it was it was it was harrowing. I, it was yeah. Did did the little tiny swimming pool it had stairs on either side, right? So you yep, walk yep, in. Yep, yep, yep. Did it have mm-hmm. a removable panel on the front? So oh yeah. Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like uh-huh. you wouldn't know it's there, and then suddenly like the first Sunday of every month or every quarter, it's like dun, hey, dun, dun. A pool behind the pul- the pulpit. Yeah, yep. I've been to that church. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. <laughs> are stake fingers the outward mm-hmm. invisible sign of an inner spiritual grace? Yeah. So you know, also part of a form of baptism is the uh, greasy runoff. <laughs> the gravy. The gravy is. Uh, I baptize a you in the name of, of bat- the colonel and the king. 
<laughs> just like a Dairy Queen blizzard, you take the baptized mm-hmm. baby and you flip and it you over real quick. It <laughs> if none of the gravy pours off, then it's... It took. <laughs> so You do could get a discount if the gravy comes off. John's discount baptism. But I think it's uh, the in this case, the steak fingers take the place of the host that is dunked in wine to make it palatable to a baby. Mm. Do Episcopalians do a water? I went to an Episcopalian kindergarten and we ate like Ritz crackers and drank grape juice, but there was no. Every church tends to do different things. Some of them have like a little delicate little metal seashell filled with water. They tap three times against the baby's forehead. Some people Mm -hmm. are dunked. There's the poor. It really kind of depends on how old you are, how big you are, and how much showmanship the priest has. Mm Mm-hmm. There was the the joke was like, water's been around a while. Every single raindrop has been through the ocean for eternity, and every glass of water you drink was, was like, peed out by a dinosaur, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't Mm -hmm. we get, like, a good priest, or, like, the mega priest, or the pope, and be like, I bless the water. And boom, every single seven billion person on this earth has been baptized. Well, then you've got kind of either a contagion or you have the uh, the <laughs> plot of the last episode of Buffy the <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, the Buffy effect would be kind of scary. You, I think you can. I think I've seen someone bless a rainstorm once in like a comic book or something like that. Well, they bless the rains down in Africa. I was Africa. just going to say. <laughs> but uh-huh. again, it's the baptism, <laughs> baptism is a sacrament and a sacrament is the outward and visible sign, etc. It represents... A, a marker and it is a community ritual. So, mm-hmm. you know, at its best, it shows the, the, you know, the entire congregation says, yes, we will take care of this baby. And like godparents come and say, yes, we will take care of this baby. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a ceremony as well. Emergency baptisms can be performed. I think the ideal baptism is one where the person has the choice to choose their future and the choice to say, I do not, we do on his behalf, her behalf, their behalf. I feel like this is a good time to to continue with baptism until we go back to infant damnation. But a couple of things. So age of consent is also something that is kind of up for grabs because like, yeah, we were baptized at age eight because that was considered a moment where you could actually reason and make your own choices, even though I wasn't given a choice in the matter. I think just culturally, I felt like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to get baptized, but you know. There's so Dairy that's Queen interesting. Afterwards, so why not? There's Dairy Queen afterwards. So like, okay, sure. But then also thinking about the purposes of baptism, there are several, as you mentioned, there's uh, the sense of like belonging to the church. Like now you belong to this community. There's the sense of saving the child. And then there's the sense of actually exorcism. Right. If you. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Mm-hmm. Older baptisms were half exorcism and half dunking. Because mm-hmm, the what is it the Roman what's the term for the Roman rites or something like that that I think there's some part of the exorcism right yeah, in the baptism you, you kind of began by <clears throat> like cleansing everything it's like demons out demons out demons out now we can baptize people in this clean safe space you know it's mm-hmm. everybody put on the, the the sacred rackle suits and now we can handle the children so is that yeah word? rackle suit. Yes, I would like to know what a rackle suit is as well. It's, it's a, are, you, are you cussing? Yes. <laughs> like, I, I don't know these people. It's a safety suit. A sellet. God. <laughs> so it's not like a ghillie suit, and it's not a grackle suit. Or a zoot suit. Or a zoot suit. Um, leisure suit. So is it spelled rackle? Like W-R-A-C-K? 
Rackle, and you said it's a safety suit? I have used that as the word for like a clean suit for a while. Like a hazmat suit? Yeah, yeah, or like yeah. a clean room but suit? But I think okay. that I can't, since I can't spell it, I can't like justify it. So if we could rewind it. No, I want okay. to keep Even all of this. <laughs> no. Because spelling, spelling is a very, that's, that's the added value of this podcast is we have to spell a lot of things to figure out what they are. <laughs> a rackle suit, Wikipedia, R-A-C-A-L, is a protective uh-huh. suit with a powered air purifying respirator. Oh, okay. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was something else like, I don't know, like, you know, when you wear the skin of your enemy or something. (laughs) So where were we? Baptism. (laughs) (laughs) Early baptisms were. Uh Uh-huh. Exorcisms. Exorcism. So the idea of a hybrid exorcism initiation ritual is a good reason why you can't just do everybody at once. Because you kind of had to cleanse them, and that's a part of it. And I think there's a little bit of a tie in that in the the Episcopal version, where I think we reject Satan and all his works as part of the ritual. Well, then, okay, let's go global again. Why can't you get the mega pope? And he just says, "I bless the world and I exercise all demons from this world." We did. His name was Jesus. Amen. It, it didn't stick. <laughs> Because people. Because people, yes. Damn it, people. <laughs> you have one job. We suck. Yeah. This is I know. why we can't I'm have learning. nice things. You. It's true. You specifically. It's so true. Well, I have enjoyed reading an article from the Vatican called The Hope of Salvation for Infants mm. Who Die Without Being Baptized. Oh, yeah. That was a fun very one. very edificational mm-hmm. article that goes through the entire history of infant damnation. Um, it is somewhat like slightly revisionistic and a little bit Vatican friendly, but it was informative and a really good article. And one of the better phrases from it, infant damnation is a litmus case where vital tenets of faith, especially the need for baptism for salvation and the universal salvific will of God can easily appear to be intention. That's a really good line because like one thing that this entire discussion seems to do is really force you to kind of wrestle with foundational issues of religion and dogma. Um, You set up a lot of absolutes and then they create painful situations. Like if all mankind is not damned, then we don't need salvation. Therefore, mankind has to be damned for salvation to work. Therefore, God turns into kind of a heartless bastard that tortures babies. Yeah. There's a lot of logical fallacies that occur. Like, I was thinking about this as I was reading through a lot of this stuff. You know, do you remember doing proofs in geometry? I hated proofs. I, that was the one part of geometry I It was enjoyed. a pain in the angle side side. <laughs> but I sort of see this as there's a lot of tautology. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, there's a lot of sort of a seventh grader understanding of geometric proofs <laughs> that has just been, they just ran with. Yeah. You know? It's it's pretty interesting. I don't know if this fits here, but I found a really great quote from Mark Twain. Yeah, that one. Yeah, go for it. So Mark Twain, who's Presbyterian, has a lot of quotes about Presbyterianism. Says, Presbyterianism without infant damnation would be like the dog on the train that couldn't be identified because he has lost its tag. <laughs> what? So a lot of his quotes on Presbyterianism make more sense than that. Um. But it sounds like, yes, you can't have the tenets of a religion. You can't have essentially your brand without infant damnation. So the end of this article, and it was very, it was 
very, what's the word I'm trying to say? It was very clear and concise. Tiny, tiny font. (laughs) It was a long, gosh. Okay, so the the final end was there were a lot of things. We've given a lot of examples of grace. We've given a lot of examples of love. We end with hope that God is grace and God is love. Like, we can't prove it one way or the other, but we have so much faith in our God as love that we have faith and hope that our God is love. And I'm like, that was a very beautiful way of saying, we don't know, but please don't be a dick about it. Yeah, it it was uplifting and wishy-washy at the same time. It was very uplifting. That was the thing. It wasn't, is limbo a real thing? Is infant damnation a real thing? It was uplifting. That That, I hadn't. I hadn't quite put that thought on it. It was, it was a good read. So one of the articles that I read called The Damnable Doctrine of Infant Damnation on idolkiller.com said that the current teaching from the Vatican is maybe God will damn a baby, maybe he won't, so let's be hopeful and trust in his mercy. It's basically it, yeah. Cynical but fair. It, it leaves itself open. There was someone describing Aquinas said that they gave you the opportunity to wrestle with your faith, which I don't think is a good thing in this case. Uh, It was under Benedict, by the way, that article, but not necessarily by his hand. It was the Pope that invented eggs, right? Yes. (laughs) He invented brunch. But I think that this article generally lines up with how most Christians view things today, because no one wants to say God will damn an innocent baby. So most people kind of have look the other way on this one and say that babies are born in grace, not in sin. And I guess you pick up sin by like, you know, six months or so. I'm not sure when the sin enters, but... It's terrible twos? Yeah. I, but supposedly at age eight, I mean, eight? I think that's why we were baptized at age eight, is that's where you can actually choose mm. your path is in the... <laughs> that's If we consider it canon, in the Left Behind series, <laughs> uh, all baby, all, all children are who are younger than eight are raptured automatically. Really? Okay. That's, that's fairly Mm -hmm. positive. Yeah. I guess there's a switch. Yeah. Yeah. In the back of your neck. Right. We're off until baptism and then it either goes up or it goes down. In your case, Jacob, it went, you know, we know where it went. You know what it is? It's like, it's the tamper proof sticker on the inside of an iPhone. Okay. When it gets wet, it changes color. Uh, so that's it's kind of like a witch <laughs> no your iphone is is innocent until uh-huh. it gets dunked and then it becomes then it be- self-aware uh-huh. and it's proven a witch and burned yeah and if you open your mm-hmm. baby and the tamper proof switch has shows that it's <laughs> i don't know so, where is where is there like a little slot like a little pop little thing that you can kind of open with your thumb to check that on a baby you're thinking of like turkey timers oh right yeah 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 uh-huh One of the earliest statements that hints towards infant damnation is the Gospel of John, so fairly authoritative. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. And Corinthians, children without believing parents run clean. So kind of between the two of these things, we establish that if your parents don't believe, then you are unclean, and um, you have to be baptized to enter the kingdom of God. The question is kind of left a little open-ended as to whether or not infants can believe in Jesus. So it kind of depends on how literal you are. But those two things are, I think, scriptural foundation for original sin. I thought you were going to go with Psalm to begin with. In fact, I thought you would start with the Psalms. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Because I I had a couple of rebuttals for you. So from Psalms 58.3, even from birth the wicked go astray, from the womb they are wayward and speak lies. 
and 51.5 or 51.5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. I, in my head, I don't really like use Old Testament to justify New Testament arguments so much, but, but that's unfair because Jesus did not come to overthrow the prophecies, but to fulfill them. See, these two, like I have heard these arguments before and I've read these verses before, but it's very much a quoting a verse, but ignoring the passage, right? Right, right. It's like that one verse, it's like, oh, what is it? It's like, people get this verse tattooed on themselves, and then the very next verse is, and do not defile your body with a tattoo. <laughs> John eleven thirty five. Right. What is uh-huh. that verse? Dadgummit. And God said the lamp should let the area in front of the lamp stands. No, no, no. And my inward parts shall sound like a harp for Moab. <laughs> You're being what? fractious, and that's my job. <laughs> what is it? It is like John three sixteen, right? Or but isn't it that that isn't it the kind of is it Jesus? It's not Jesus swept. It's like for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. For son. Godzilla loved the, the world. Right yes, for Godzilla loved the world that He called forth those little tiny girls that said, "We love you, Gamera." The, the the Old Testament for me, it's uh, I, I frequently say the Bible is a Rorschach test. People see what they see in it. They see what they bring to the mm-hmm. table already. Yes. So let me. Let me pull back on these two, 51 and 58. The entirety of Psalms 51 and 58. There are two different kinds of Psalms, and I'll try and keep this quick because I'm kind of dumb. One is a, I closed the tab. Damn it, what is the word that I used? The other one is imp- imprecatory and... Penetative. And pen- mm-hmm. Not penetrative. The penetrative Psalms. Pen- like pentative, right? So one penetrative. is penetrative. Pen- 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 penetrative. No, Okay. Right. So David lived kind of a rough life. There was a guy named Saul who like used to be his bestie and then like hated him. So 58, like is David in the middle of David being prosecuted, I'm sorry, persecuted by Saul, which likely involved legal recourse, likely involving prosecution. And he is all, woe is me. These guys suck. Let me use these analogies and metaphors on how much these guys suck and they're being mean to me. Right. And there's a huge overarching discourse on how David is suffering and the people that are insufferating him suck, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this calling out against the others. These people, they're so terrible that they were bad from the beginning, right? Okay. And that's a whole, like, who? there's a whole exegesis and study, which I don't even want to get into. 51 is how to gain grace with God. Okay. And it starts out the exact opposite forget everyone else it's like oh woe is me oh humble wretch that i am blah 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 how do i get back in good with god and he's like i'm Mm -hmm. so terrible that i was born terrible etc etc and again it's very difficult to read thousand year old poems and not know the people that wrote them but you're saying there's this one verse where david says the unborn suck i mean are evil same thing right Mm mm-hmm and it's like, no, he was just kind of using that to build his world. Yeah. I don't build an entire theology around David saying, oh, woe is me. Well, I guess we did. Yeah, it's, these, are, these are poems, and literalism is maybe not the place to interpret yeah. poetry. So later we get to, not too much later, we get to the sibling prophecies, mm-hmm. which were probably like cobbled together in the first century and then edited over the next seven or eight centuries. 
These are ascribed to the Greek oracles of Sybil, but in practice, mm-hmm. they're like a hodgepodge of Christian, classical, and Jewish ideas. So you get stories from like the Eden and the Tower of Babel kind of woven in because they're just kind of a way of mythologizing what was already kind of in the air. They were very big in like early Christianity period, but uh, as paganism faded, they kind of lost traction. But you can kind of hear their echoes in a lot of medieval stuff. Uh, book three, in chains of flaming fire and from above, punish them by all the scourge most terribly. And in Gehenna, in the gloom of night, shall they be cast neath many horrid beasts of Tartarus. Dot, 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 dot. Uh, young children, mothers, nursing babes in tears, wail their most piteous fate. No fill of tears shall be for them, nor piteous voice be heard of them that moan, one here, one there. But long worn under the dark, dark Tartarus, aloud they shall cry, and they shall repay in cursed places thrice as many as all the evil work they did. Dot, dot, dot. Hunger shall consume them. Dot, dot, dot. So an image of babies suffering in hell and kind of everybody is damned is there. I'll post that in full on our show notes with less elision. With fewer ellipses? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was kind of in the, the pre-medieval period. And then we get into Augustine around 350, who says that there's no middle ground between heaven and hell. There's no place where you can put the babies. Anyone who is not with Christ must be with the devil. I don't know if he literally says that, but that's kind of implied yep. by his mm-hmm. rhetoric. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- and is it Augustine or Augustine? I nev- I'm never sure. Uh, hippo. Yes. We'll just call him Hippo. <laughs> Potato Potato. Augustine the Hippo. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Gregory the Great later on says that God condemns even those with only original sin in their souls. Even infants who have never sinned on their own, by their own will must go to everlasting torments. It's not charitable. But again, these are people that are drawing absolute cases. They're saying, you know, we need baptism. It's sacred. It defines who we are. And it does. Baptism is like the rebirth into God. So anyone before then, I mean, if there's not a terrible cost to not being baptized, there is no reason oh. for the baptism. Oh, then that like, I wasn't say, yeah, it's just a bunch of absolutists being absolute. But if you don't justify your actions, why bother having action? Right. This is not us trying to be dicks and saying God hates babies. It's we must, as a church, baptize. Yes. Yes. And also it turns oh. out to be profitable the when you start church? getting into... Well, no, yeah. Daisani into- made a lot of money off of this. <laughs> Monster energy drink, <laughs> which is going to be our sponsor someday. But again, this article that I read, The Damnable Doctrine of Infant Damnation, called it a doctrine of demons, which I found interesting. But it also argued that the teaching that infants go to hell was profitable. The whole idea of purgatory and indulgences were kind of made for this. Because there's a great quote, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. So earning, you know, using this as a money making opportunity to get souls out of purgatory and to get indulgences uh, so that you are cleared to go to heaven. So this was really profitable because of the high infant mortality rate. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just this very predatory practice. By the church. um, And to jump forward a little bit here, um, Mm -hmm. in the hopeful side of this, in the last like 150 years or so, ceremonies for like infant burial and infant funerals have become a thing in the Catholic Church. And Mm -hmm. in kind of saying this is no longer a part of who we are, the church says we don't bury sinners. 
Right, 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 right. And, and yeah, that's part yeah, well, yeah, we don't yeah, we don't yeah, bury yeah. the damned. And that's actually really kind of uplifting in a way too, because if you have a ceremony of burial for infants, then they cannot be damned. I I, I like that. That was strong and still mm-hmm. challenging for me. And they're put in consecrated grounds yeah. as well. I miss I misheard that. Okay. So it's not saying we refuse to bury a baby because it wasn't baptized. It's we're burying it, therefore it's not a sinner. Yeah. Because that's a sacrament. Ah, It's a a funky proof. It is, actually. You're Mm -hmm. right. It is, again, one of those ones that we would have just kind of like, uh, on a test, like, okay, I'm just going to get a Hail Mary here. But back to, like, really dark and gloomy things. Pope Gregory the Great, 6th century, after the wound of death, by a secret and righteous judgment, they even receive everlasting torments who have never sinned by their own will. Hmm. So you don't have a choice but to be damned. So the extrapolation of this is what about other folks who can't make this decision for themselves ever, such as... The indecisive. <laughs> There's that Gemini. Yeah, Libras also. Libras. Yeah. What's wrong with Libras? <laughs> have you met my husband? <laughs> oh, so just saying, uh, say... Uh, those who folks, cannot choose, uh, yeah. Yeah, like say if somebody has a disability of some form or, you know, like what is, how does that work? Well, I guess they're already, you know, everybody thinks they're uh, possessed by demons anyway, so it doesn't matter. And a lot of things kind of fall back to the idea that God will judge people by his own ineffable logic. And it's right because it's God, you know. Yeah. God is super mm-hmm. duper infallible. So presumably he's doing the right thing. And we're going to hope that it's what we understand to be right and just right yeah he moves in mysterious ways i read an article and it really it really said some things i was like okay, okay. basically what it was it was in the website i've already closed the website um but basically they were saying like yes we have life but the question of damnation comes down to the soul right mm-hmm. when right. is the and i love this word he used when is the infant ensouled Yes, that's one of my questions. Uh-huh. It's a good like, word. Beautiful, right? When is it in soul? And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, we as the Catholic Church, and speaking as the Catholic Church and not for myself, it's like life begins on fertilization, right? You have a zygote and a zygote, and as soon as it happens, it's life. Now, so it has a soul at that point. That's not what I. That's not what he said. He said that's life. Okay. He said now. Okay. Here's the here's the thing. What happens if two days later that fertilized egg splits and becomes identical twins? One with a goatee. Right? And I would like literally. <laughs> one's wearing this, a white suit and one's wearing a black this suit. This Catholic priest was like, holy balls, you just blew my mind because you're right. <laughs> right? Did the, did the cell not have a soul for two days and then it had two souls? Like when. For half a soul. You know, when an infant is born. And thus an infant, like when a child is born, you know, it has reaction, it has senses, it, you know, can see, it can perceive, but is it self-aware? There's arguments for and there's arguments against. Mm -hmm. Like, has its essence of humanity fully formed? Right. Right? Uh And so it's like, does the soul happen when you turn two? Like, has your, and okay, so the question is, does the soul reside? Is the soul the brain? Ancient Egyptians said the soul was in the liver, 
which is why mm-hmm. the liver was put in the prettiest jar when you got mummified. Right? And I was like, that's, a, that's amazing. All of these arguments come down to if an identical twin separates at day two, when was the soul? Like, when is the body and soul? And if the question is, we don't know when the body is ensouled, we can say there is a period when that infant can stop living and not be damned. And I was like, okay. okay. Some of the hearts of the article, of the 2007 Vatican article, were really targeting the idea of limbo. And mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of tossing it away, like yeah. some articles about this article were like, Vatican kills off limbo. And, you know, they talk about how there isn't really a foundation for limbo in the scripture. And the idea that you should separate infants from God's beauty because they're infants and give them this special holding cell, that's not a kindness. That's another form of damnation. And it's just kind of tacky. Um, another really, mm-hmm. really good line for this is the Feast of the Holy Innocents were the Feast of the Holy Innocents were uh, a celebration or commemoration of the children that were killed by Herod. They were venerated as martyrs, even though they were not yet baptized. And that's kind of in the we don't pray for the damned line of thought. So it, it was it was mm-hmm. a good way of throwing away a piece of kind of bad church semi-policy, I guess, dogma. It was a, it was a hasty patchwork repair on a perceived weakness. Yes. Which, eh, we got over it. Actually, it's kind of sad because um, Dante did such a nice treatment of Limbo and kind of used it as a positive tool. So, kind of get, getting rid of it is a little sad. Maybe they're just getting rid of the infant Limbo. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't read Dante's. We can't read Purgatorio. Oh, I'm pretty sure we just scientifically disproved that episode. Can't happen. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh. I'm pretty sure we'll never get around to Purgatorio. <laughs> oh, damn. Someday, I feel like, well, I guess there's plenty of things for us to read. But Join Victoria I, on her personal podcast, I Read Purgatorio by Myself. I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to jump on the walking with Dante on, on I don't want to, I don't want to step on his, his feet. Can I, can I give you my take, my very yeah. uh, useful takeaways that actually might throw us into another subject? Take us away. Okay. So, so all of this infant damnation, our, our, our babies, damned or not depends on the following whether you start with babies as vessels of original sin or as innocence i want to throw in for a future episode the term anti-sacramental mana battery okay i i i'm intrigued by this oh and i i learned another term too opposition to infant baptism is catabaptism catabaptism is not anabaptists because they're anabaptists and there's a catabaptist yeah, as opposition to baptism. Interesting. Okay. So, what does the word mean? Do you want to... Catabaptist? Yes. Uh, Is there meowing? <laughs> meow! Don't baptize us because we're evil. Fling! Uh, <laughs> they, they like the flinging method. So, uh, Jacob, do you want to tell us what your phrase means? Anti sacramental matter battery? Save that? No, I'm saving that. That's okay. a teaser for All next right. episode. Your name next time. <laughs> That's the name of our new album. So we start. Okay. So two, whether you can save something. So it all depends on whether you can save something that knows nothing of God or Jesus or does naivete save a baby. When do babies get a Thursday. soul? We talked about that. Well, yeah, according to Amazon, uh, the tracking number. <laughs> 
It also depends on the salvation status of the parents. This is a complicated diagram now. It is. There's a sidecar discussion. Uh, what does your religion or culture say about abor- abortion and miscarriage? Okay. Which leads us to this our- This is the guilt angle. Yep, 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 yep. How much does your religion hate women? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like this is part of it. And how punitive is your religion? Did I leave anything out? No, no, no. Um, and I think for the next segment, this is going to bring me to the book Hell Hath No Fury by Megan R. Henning. Yes. Gender, disability, and the invention of damned bodies in early Christian literature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So part two of this episode, they'll be waiting for you in the afterlife. What, the babies? Yeah, the babies are good. They're waiting for you, mommy. <laughs> I've drawn heavily from Hell Hath No Fury, which is a, a book that kind of goes into how religion not only kind of subjugates women and controls their bodies, but reduces everyone to the state of women in hell. <laughs> it kind of fem- yeah. it feminizes yeah. and controls by creating... I'll stop that sentence. That's not a good sentence. Evil man, you will now suffer as a woman. Ha ha, take that. I know I'm part of the patriarchy, but I swear, guys, like, I didn't even get a chance to vote on that one. Yeah, so the the chapter in this Yale University Press, uh, oh, Hell Hath No Fear, and Megan R. Henning, were we reading the same book? Yes. And I just didn't pay attention to anything? I think we were all reading the same book. It's a good book. (laughs) (laughs) Being really smart by finding this, and you didn't. Ah, damn it. So chapter three is basically becoming female and deformed through suffering in hell, Mm -hmm. which sums up everything wrong with everything about thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I don't understand that this chapter had to be written is like, what? And this is this is one of those moments where <laughs> this is what we believe. Yeah, this is like <laughs> we are we firmly believe that this is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the um this is our creed. This is our creed. Yeah. This is our creed. Uh, we believe every- the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and we believe that this is firmly fucked up. I wanna hold <laughs> on to the breast milk monsters though as something I believe. I I okay. Uh, then you you get breast milk. Laser-eyed baby monsters. Yes. With Goldschlager. <laughs> Why is it poured into two shot glasses? Why not just half because the recipe? Because of boobs. One for each it's eye. It's milk. It's boobs. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Are you kidding me and I didn't catch that? A demon is swooning again. <laughs> okay, so I want to bring this back to kind of the point of section two, which is discuss the infants we meet in hell and how we will mm-hmm. suffer at their hands or laser there's, eyes. <laughs> there's okay. Jerry. So to set this up, Mike who are the legitimate baby? sinners <laughs> who deserve to be in hell. Mm-hmm. Yes. We didn't do anything right and we're in hell now. And now you're saying there are babies. Well, I think the concept of right is kind of slushy here, but yeah, when, when, when you die and you're, oh, what's the word? Um, A sinner. No, well, we used the word before to describe people in hell. Inhelulated? It's a good word. Um, oh, well, never mind. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, the damned. Uh, the, the, He's going to wake up at three in the morning and be like, I remembered the word. So, yeah, the damned can encounter babies in hell. And I'd like to talk about that because some of them are, I just really enjoyed them as torments and i think that they're kind of interesting we encounter a new version of satan in this world yes. as well. it's like a good torment 
Can I tell you something I believe? I believe that the children are our torments. Teach them well and let them lead the way. I believe the children are our torments. Teach them well. <laughs> if I sing it more, will you understand it? <laughs> Insert cricket noises here. <laughs> okay. Henny talks a lot about how uh, religion is kind of used to control women's bodies. And one thing she emphasizes is that kind of for the good of empire, children should be had and women should feel obligated to give those children their milk, particularly since some of them were not necessarily theirs. Wealthy people could afford to pay women to feed their babies. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, they would take that woman out of kind of reproductive and even sexuality and even a sexual status entirely. So um, the wet nurse idea is not charming. It's another form of slavery, really. Uh, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there are sins that were created to make sure that women nursed children, even if they were not theirs. And Henning spends a, a fair number of words on this topic, um, kind of beginning with uh, the Apocalypse of Ezra, which is uh, 120 AD, an older text. It's probably a Hebrew apocalypse that was edited by Christian writers to add a Christian narrative to it. Uh, here are the tortures for the damned, the end of the world, and the salvation through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Women who refuse to give the breast to infants and orphans are punished by snakes drinking from their breasts. Mm -hmm. Ouch. And women who begrudged giving her milk, but also cast infants into the rivers, hang while four beasts suck at her breasts. Mm -hmm. And there's this clear link between infanticide and adultery, which is very obvious. Now, what do you think about it? Because um, getting rid of the babies that you had through unholy matrimony, that's not the right word. That's a very logical connection. Misogynation, is that the word you're thinking about? Is it? Can you verb that? Misogynize? Oh, no, that doesn't work because that's racial. Yeah. Okay, never mind. So we could cut that out. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't think specifically the Gospel of Ezra talks about um, babies in hell, but it kind of sets the stage for it by um, punishing women who refuse to give other babies their milk. Mm -hmm. But we get in the, or the Apocalypse of Peter, we have babies that, um, when they've been kind of cast aside by their mother, exposed is the word, babies that are exposed by their parents. And that is, I guess, leaving them in the desert for nature to take its dark course, shall be delivered to a caretaking angel. Uh, more about him later. Ooh, I have questions about him later. He's interesting. And of their parents, they encounter infants with flashes of lightning leaping from those children and smiting the eyes of the women. And I see this frequently as like babies emitting laser eyes from their lasers from their <laughs> eyes to zap the women or lightning glory from their eyes. So babies like firing blasts of radiance at the parents that abandoned them, mm -hmm. which is, is uh, actually kind of would make a good comic book or a superpower. Yes. They fight crime. <laughs> they, and that crime is being an immodest woman. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, please go on. I, ha I thought I had something, but it may be. Megan not. Henning article, mm -hmm. how threats of hellfire helped keep immodest women in their place from the ancient world to my unorthodox life on Netflix. Like this is. I've got a whole reading list. <laughs> and there's mm -hmm, another mm -hmm. another bit from the apocalypse of Paul, I think, where they just say that. When a mother has um, born their child out of due time, you know, an abortion, and that's a very old reference to abortion there, the baby will kind of scream at her mother that they did this to her. And then, again, the caretaking angel comes and takes them away. So, I kind of had to make a list of all of the uh, 
things in the that you posted in the art of, is it the art of Varoth? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Hell Journey. Kind of going chronologically, that's a bit later, but yeah. Context: The Art of Viroff is a Zoroastrian hell journey, so Zoroastrianism from about like 900 AD, so kind of recent. Wait, AD? Are you? I there, thought that was BC. No, there are still Zoroastrians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like these hell journey. So, though it's still a pre-Dante hell journey, though. It is, but I think it's probably informed by other hell journeys and the tradition of hell journeys. It's got the dialogue between like guardian and sinner. Mm-hmm. Reprobate. That's the word. Reprobate. Oh, is this is three okay. already. Wow, time flies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so it, it has the framework of the guardian angel talking to the person that's seeing the sinners. Like that is a very common hell journey trope. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I knew this going into the original hell journey episode or month of hell journey episodes. I thought Dante was the first. I was wrong. There's oh, lots good, of hell journeys. Goodness, no. I think- they started in like three hundred. And we haven't yeah. even t- touched Hell Journeys, really. We haven't really gotten uh-huh. to Hell yet. No. No, there's so many other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to we have several will. episodes on Hell Journeys, I think. I think so. Because mm-hmm. they're fun. They're very fun. So Megan um, No, Ar- Art of Iraf. Oh, I'm no, sorry. Art oh, that's okay. I know that you're a fan, so it's okay for Oh my gosh, I just looked at her Twitter. She's uh-huh. cute. Oh, wow. Okay. And And- I, I enjoyed reading her. She's quite witty. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm now fangirling over a professor of Christian origins from University of Ohio. Well, maybe Hi, we Megan. can tag her and talk about how much we rely on her work. Read your article. We thought oh, it yeah. was very great. And Jamin <laughs> thinks you're cute. Exactly. The I'm sure. I'm sure. I see. All women like to. Like, they they appreciate hearing from random strangers how attractive. Yeah, I know. It's like, hi. I'm this very educated, knowledgeable person <laughs> writing these incredibly good books, and some nerd on the internet called me cute. <laughs> Man, am I living the life? Good job, Jamin. <laughs> I think you should send her a mixtape. Future project. <laughs> Another Jamin. The art of. Uh, Zoroastrianism. Art of yes. So Breath this milk. is this is my my uh, list of sins that are punished uh, in this in this in the the excerpts of the Hell Journey. So I I feel like I have more to say on menstrual blood, but here I it says I I was wondering about you know the the sin of having sex with a woman who is menstruating. I wonder if that has to do with having non procreative sex. That's more about cleanliness, and this is post-Judaism, so it's probably informed by um, mm. ritual cleanliness. Okay, so I have more to say on that. Um, well, yeah, women are basically bad. It's Yes, all women are bad. Fathering and abandoning a child, so finally a guy got, got punished in here for that. Adultery resulting in pregnancy is bad. Infanticide and abortion are bad. Don't understand. Okay, so I didn't understand the millstone cap and digging a hill with the breasts. That's interesting. Like, I wouldn't have thought of digging. It's a- not an optimal tool for moving yeah. dirt. They're kind uh-uh. of like not good for shovels. Or- no, unless you're wearing the Gautier Madonna bra. Okay, yeah, it would take a while. Mm-hmm. But that really needs more rotational. Right, like, like maybe you add a drum. Angular momentum than digging. Uh-huh. I wish you could see my hand motions right now. Uh- <laughs> Uh, disposing of a child's corpse improperly is bad. Neglecting a child is bad. Yeah, make make sure they're fed and watered well. 
Mm-hmm. Don't let more them breast- cry ever. Right, exactly. Uh, again, there's more breast-fueled hill digging. Um, Saying you are not pregnant when in fact you are, but not from your own husband. Right. Uh, not feeding your child because you wanted wealth. That was one I didn't understand. They're expensive, yo. I think that might actually be tied to wet nursing, possibly, because you have to make a difficult decision of, like, feeding your baby versus someone else's baby, and you can't, there is no right choice. Okay. The one that seemed rando and kind of out of scale was the man who kills his own children and eats their brains is being punished because he was an unjust judge. Huh. I don't know. That's that's, Did I read that one correctly? No, I think that was right. Yeah, that one's not terribly directly connected to my mind uh-huh oh and here's connect oh, so here's the other one women women who sold their milk rather than give it to their own infants so it seemed like those the two separate things like damned if you do damned if you don't yeah right yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay so obviously pretty much not anything a woman can will do that is not <laughs> within the realm of normal motherhood and well, wifehood is bad mm-hmm Let's go back to that the dude for a minute, because, you know, the patriarchy. Did people eat baby brains? Question mark. Like, this doesn't make sense on lots of levels. Well, the, chapter 22, the man who had the- intercourse with a menstruous woman. Right. Mm-hmm. He, his punishment was that, uh, first off, fluid, menstrual fluids would be pouring down his face forever. And he would cook and eat his own, you know, healthy, handsome child. So the right. term in there is you're destroying your own progeny, and that is that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Also, there's an interesting term here, the tenapore, which is like a unit of measurement of sin. I was wondering what that meant. Yeah, it's neat. What um, a tenapore? Okay, so the sin of having intercourse with a menstruous woman is worth fifteen and a half tenapores. So that's fifteen and a half virtuous deeds that you have to do to make up for that particular sin. Math. Well, I think we'll probably talk more about baby eating in the next installment very soon yes mm-hmm. it's like long pork veal and a lot of the other tournaments that actually involve infants you just kind of hear the infant crying off stage and that freaks mm-hmm. out mom forever but yeah there's a lot of these punishments based on like women using their bodies in ways that um women using their bodies period <laughs> and you know this kind of makes me think about uh you know when we were doing celtic folklore how much there were hags there was lots of talk about pendulous breasts you know milk breast milk and it was kind of this uh perverse view of motherhood Mm. you know and so i think there's this yeah like a perversion of motherhood in a lot of these things right so Mm. that's kind of the i'm gonna read chapter 78 of the art of Viroff in its entirety because it's one of the more interesting ones in this sort of horror show sort of way which one is that one? I'm, I've lost it. It's the one right before 79. Thank you. Right. Uh-huh. Chapter 78, Adultery and Infanticide. Then okay. I saw the soul of a woman who had ever dug an iron hole with her breasts. An infant cried out from that side of the hill, and the cry ever continued. But the infant comes not to the mother, nor the mother to the infant. And I asked thus, what sin was committed by this body whose soul suffers so severe punishment? Srosh the pious, and Adar the angel said thus, This is the soul of that wicked woman who, in the world, became pregnant, not from her own husband, but from another person. And she said thus, I have not been pregnant. She also destroyed the infant. It's interesting. The sin isn't just destroying the infant. It's lying about being pregnant. Like, they seem like there's equal weight here. 
There's like 78, 97 chapters. I'm sure that Destroying the Image on its own is another one. I like these chapters because they're all like two sentences each. Yeah. I appreciate being dumb and being able to read these. And it is also like her punishment is she's trying to enact the role of mother and fraternity being thwarted in that. So there's some sorrow. I can see that. Yeah. Pause. Pause. This is not a forever hell. This is a temporary hell. So these are temporary punishments, not forever punishments. Oh, right. Because we need to talk more about this hell. Well, yeah. We well, we'll get to Zoroastrianism eventually. But no, these are, this is a purgatory, not, a, not an inferno. Okay. Yeah. So, so you um, only have to dig a finite number of hills with your breasts before you can stop. <laughs> have you ever tried to dig a <laughs> I mean, going back to the, the machinery that actually would be required, especially if it's iron. Oh, um, yeah. there, you'd yeah, need some blasting caps. Uh-huh. Blasting. Maybe you need the laser babies. If you could control the power of the laser babies. <laughs> okay. I think Tank Girl. Tank Girl had that brassiere where her like, breasts were missile right, warheads. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. You have to sin just enough to get the laser babies, but not uh-huh. too much that you get... These are entirely entirely different cosmologies. I don't think you can. That's right. I, actually, you could be like a Zoroastrian Christian and maybe get both. But wait, you don't get laser mm-hmm. babies in Zoroastrianism? Hell, Zoro- not that I've seen. And it's not like you should be collecting the set of these things, really. <laughs> Got to catch them all. So, uh, all I could think about during my little short journey through your notes on Zoroastrian punishments and sins. Involving babies is the scene, the terrible scene from Train Spotting. Oh with God! The baby. Oh, <laughs> with the babies no. on the ceiling. Yes, and so it just made me think, like, okay, so babies are just vessels of guilt in these instances, right? They're the embodiment of guilt, and you know, they represent like you are faced with like you're damned. And again, this is like the Dante version, but like, are you damning yourself through your guilt? Like, are you creating those health those Hell baby punishments. I think that a baby representing your poor choices is fairly accurate at times. And, 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 yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, a baby. <laughs> so um, one thing I noticed in reading these, these, and a bunch of other hell post, blah, 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 and a bunch of other baby punishments is none of them involve changing diapers. That's the great joy of motherhood, like, isn't it? It's the guilt of, oh, my baby's on the other side of the room, or, oh, my baby is, like, there aren't diapers are the worst. There aren't that many, there aren't that many punishments for bad parenting. There's punishments for, like, total abandonment. Why does the punishment have to fit the crime? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, you're being punished. This is not for you to enjoy. Here's a dirty diaper. Like, the punishment could be jaywalking and dirty diaper to the face. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sure. No. I buy or that. Or stepping in a dirty diaper. Yeah. Somebody like, else's dirty diaper. Like babies if you don't- are legitimately terrible in some aspects. Most aspects, from my opinion. But you know, I know there are other opinions. Diapers are the worst, and no one has poop as a torment. Oh, Dante did. Oh, poop as baby poop as okay. a torment. No, excrement as a torment. Yeah, but like, not uh-huh. baby poop. Yeah, it's it's and it's so colorful. They really should. Yeah, like adult poop smells like poop. Baby poop is just toxic and terrible. And why did you feed your child carrots? You knew better. <laughs> so maybe babies don't poop 
in purgatory? They don't eat? Well, I mean, here they're being prevented from eating, and the person who's supposed to feed them is being punished by hearing their cries and trying to feed them. So that's why I think they're just vessels of guilt, because that and a vessel of guilt can't necessarily poop. A symbol can't poop. Yeah, and these are the like the most of what we're dealing with here are like the babies as torments are probably not babies. They're not like hell babies. They're just kind of right. baby images, baby avatars. Because like typically they like the babies get taken away by the protective angel. Uh and so these are like echoes or, you know, illusions. Uh, I I guess of torment. Which leads more towards Vuka's, like, vessels of guilt rather than Mm -hmm. actors of torment. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, hauntings, there tends to be a lot of babies crying. Like, it seems like one of the, you know, standard haunting situations. No Mm -hmm. one has ever made a movie about ghost poop. Ghosts don't poop. Why would they? I mean, oh. I mean, I for one am glad. Less poop in this world for me. Thank you. Um, I had to change the spectral diaper. <laughs> spectral diaper. I feel like that's a euphemism for something. Uh, tweet us at the dispatchist <laughs> with what you think the spectral <laughs> a spectral diaper is a euphemism. <laughs> a euphemism. A euphemism for. A euphemism for. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned this caretaking angel many times. Yeah, Telemachus. Oh, Telemachus. Okay, okay. I know that name. You do. Never found Telemachus. Telemachus more. Come again? Hmm? Oh, ah, ha, ha. Wah, wah. Ah, ha, ha. So what we know about him is uh, not tons. He appears in the Apocalypse of Paul as possibly a Satan or the Satan or another name for mm-hmm. Satan. Yet again, I looked upon the river of fire and saw an old man who was being dragged along, immersed up to his knees. And Telemachus came with a great fork of fire, which he pierced the entrails of that old man. And he's an angel of death and a torturer angel, and in that way kind of maybe he takes on aspects of Satan or is Satan. But also, he's the caretaking angel of infants. And in a lot of these cases where an infant has been exposed or killed by their parents, the baby appears, points an angry finger, and then Telemachus takes it away, leaving the mother or father, but probably the mother in hell. There's the what a, of Paul? Apocalypse of Paul? Apocalypse of Paul. Yeah. So, is this like, well, we talked about Pazuzu as being a protector of children as well. Um, mostly as an apotropaic force that opposed the demon of baby infanticide. Okay. So, this is more more like um, a justice angel who carries a psychopomp, really, who carries baby souls to heaven just long enough for them to, you know, just after they, like, make a special appearance in a chorus line. And cry out about their mother. Um, they she accuse. Yeah, the revelation of Paul, the babies, and the angel said to me, these are they who corrupted themselves and killed their infants. The infants therefore came crying out, a vengeance of our mothers. And they were given to an angel to be carried away into a spacious place, but their parents into everlasting fire. And I'm just imagining this chorus line of babies tap dancing outwards to accuse. <laughs> I accuse my parents. Da, 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 da. Or it could be the song from a Sound of Music. So long, they farewell, s- yes. Uh-huh. yes, that would be adorable. <laughs> My mother, she left me here to die. <laughs> oh. I finally found this. I've been what? It's been a week. Telemachus was Odysseus's son. Different right? spelling, but yes. But right? maybe that's where the well, name I mean, came from. Kind of. 
in the Apocalypse of Paul, it's Temelucus, the M and the L are switched. And it says hmm. probably for Telemachus, but not necessarily. Well, it's also Aftelemachus, and I wonder if that's Andromachus in different guise, just possibly, but I can't prove that in court. Maybe, because Telemachus is Greek for, like, tele as in television, and Machus is in Carmel Macchiato, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. No. And yes. so it's like, it's someone who fights from afar, or an archer, the, the far from battle. Oh, Which gotcha. makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Odysseus mm-hmm. was an archer and Telemachus wasn't. Oh, right? well, now a lot of times the angel of death is an archer. So, hmm, I don't know. Like, ah, I've been looking for Telemachus and Paul and it's it, Temelucus. Yeah, there's a lot of different spellings. Well, we could talk about this in our Psychopomp episode that will probably happen well, someday from now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When we get it's to been, it. It's been like, so. honestly, two weeks of research and study and finally i finally found his sources when i was like hey jacob what are your sources cite your sources give me the sources where did you find this and he wouldn't the links are in the show notes (laughs) (laughs) our website dispatch.ist breast milk monsters Milk yes. monsters lady liquids liquids of hell so when you do not feed your baby properly or feed other people's babies when you just don't feed the babies somehow because somewhere there's a baby that you haven't fed yet uh the milk of the mothers flows from the rest and congeals saith peter in his apocalypse engendering small beasts to devour the flesh and these run upon them to devour them teaching the torments that come to pass from their sins the sins of not feeding babies this is uh, again one more place where women are kind of like the only people to bear the eschatological weight of child-related sins, like the father can force the issue of abortion or exposing the baby or not feed the baby somehow, but the woman seems to carry a lot of the, the weight of sin of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and breast milk is interesting. Because it turns into snakes. It Yes. Well, there's that. I mean, who knew? <laughs> Changes everything. But I feel like it's both, it's both associated with life and death and it's easily perverted when it is uh misused i suppose mm-hmm. or in the case of folk you know the the folklore figure the figures of folklore that we've looked at when it comes from a source that shouldn't be lactating say like you know the hags or you're nursing from an animal that you shouldn't be nursing from etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's just like there's there's this Kind of uh, both sacred and profane understanding of breast milk. I, I I'm not following. So like hag milk bad, hag milk bad because it's not. It's it's like you know it's kind of perverse. Like it shouldn't. It's not. It's not nutritive. It's probably unclean. You know, there's just a sense of of that. There is a the breast milk can be perverted. So if we're talking about uh, breast milk. We also need to talk an- about another important lady liquid. Uh-huh. Menstrual blood shows up a lot in these it punishments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because in there's biblical references to blood also being a baptismal fluid. Mm-hmm. But menstrual blood is not that. It is unclean by its very nature. Even though, again, like breast milk, it is a nutritive 
It is actually a nutritive liquid. I'm going to throw out a, a really mean-spirited theory here. Okay. And that is that on some level, menstrual blood maybe is um, kind of a negative energy thing because it shows that a woman is not pregnant or, yeah, or nursing. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that goes back to is some of the taboo about having sex with a woman who's menstruating uh, a taboo against non-procreative sex. Yeah, that could easily be the case because, you know, if if there was procreative sex, you wouldn't be menstruating. If you're nursing, you're not menstruating. So you have that can only happen if you're not somewhere in a childbearing cycle. Mm-hmm. So that's that's compelling and and irritating. That's the so wrong word. what you're that's, saying. That's dark. <laughs> that that's mm-hmm. it has been enlightening because a lot of things you're like, oh, this is just dumb. This is just dumb. But basically, what you're saying is the entire purpose of a woman is to bear children, and everything mm-hmm. else is a sin. And you're like, oh, that was the whole reason for all of this. Is you're just Damn it. Well, I think that Megan Henning Megan Henning would kind of suggest that as a woman you're part of like a baby industrial complex. No matter mm-hmm. where you are, you're part of this kind of society and adding more to society through baby by some method or another. And if you're not partaking of that as either a support or a creator, then you're a sinner of some sort. A really dark narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a history of menstrual blood taboos that are predate language even potentially, but it shows up in ancient Egyptian medical texts, but in that it's actually referred to as a purification. So it's seen positively and used as a cure for uh, various diseases and it's uh, an ingredient in ointments um, like one for saggy breasts going back to the whole oh uh, that breast milk thing that theory of contagion makes perfect sense yes or similarity but rather. so mentions of periods are found in the first latin encyclopedia 73 ad and this is where you get some of the occult beliefs in the powers of menstrual blood so contact with it turns new wine sour, crops touched by it become barren, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Edges of steel and the gleam of ivory are dulled, hives of bees die, even bronze and iron at once seized by rust, and a horrible smell fills, fills the air to taste it drives dogs mad and infects their bites with an incurable poison. So there's a lot of, lot of beliefs in toxicity, like the destruction of crops, withering of plants. Um, there's beliefs that it's poisonous, toxic, and um, that it creates pollution. And those things continue throughout the ages. But just some weird little beliefs. So there's a Buddhist belief that ghosts eat blood. And so a menstruating woman is then thought to attract ghosts and is therefore a threat to herself and others. Okay. Yes. And according to mytholo- a Hindu mythology, a pickle touched by a menstruating woman rots away. The basil plant is considered to be holy by Hindus, and so menstruating girls aren't allowed to touch it. And in some cases, they're not even allowed to have their shadow fall across it. But so there's some uh, debate about how this all started, like how we came to have these menstrual taboos. So, of course, Freud says it's our fear of blood. Alan Court 
argues that the taboo began because early humans found menstrual blood to be soiling or having a depressive effect on organic materials. Anthropologist Shirley Lindenbaum theorized in 1972 that the taboo was a form of natural population control, um, limiting sexual contact with pollution stigma, because sometimes those uh, the taboo or the isolations go well beyond the time of the period and potentially into a time where a woman is, is actually fertile. And then mm. there's the sense of, this is coined in 2000 by historian Robert S. McIlvain, uh, the phrase non-menstrual syndrome or NMS to describe the reproductive envy that led males to stigmatize menstruation and to socially dominate women as psychological compensation for what men cannot do biologically. So essentially, most agree it's a form of control or an assertion of patriarchy. So it's the woman's fault that the men feel inferior by not being a woman. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. But also women are toxic and weak and destroy your crops and will rot a pickle. (laughs) (laughs) It always comes down to the pickle, doesn't it? Damn it, get away from my pickle! And why is our house lousy with ghosts? Blame mom. Damn it! (laughs) Sure. Can I say one more thing about menstruation? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I want this to, is fun. I, mm-hmm. I, and I want to say, remember at the very beginning, we were like, hey, guys, we're going to be talking about some hefty subjects. Be careful. It's like, man, we should have warned Jamie. It's like, man, we're going to be talking about menstruation a lot. So Victoria wants to tell us one more fun fact. <laughs> See, this is part of this, like the, the social taboo, like nobody wants to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about so our next I mean, episode. More power to you. I would like to empower you and be uncomfortable. Oh, thank you. So one last interesting theory. Oh, boy. Okay. You're going to like this one. I promise. Because it kind of fits into some other topics we've talked about. Let me put my, my jar of pickles in the fridge real quick. <laughs> no, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they went away a long time ago. Um. So, Professor Chris Knight, who's a social anthropologist at London University, so he's been thinking about the deep historical roots of uh, the menstrual taboo. And so, he has a book called Blood Relations, Menstruation, and the Origins of Culture. And his theory is kind of controversial, but it's thought-provoking, and it highlights the difficulty of trying to sort all this stuff out. So, he believes that Menstrual taboos were uh, came from female-led and female-advantaging behaviors in early humans. So it actually started out as a power, like menstruation was a power for women, and they separated themselves. So at this time, the as he argues, in early humans, hunts were focused on large mammals, of course. So you had to have groups of people hunting and there was also sort of a ritual of hunting uh during a full moon so while the men would engage with in these hunts and be off doing this the women would sequester themselves together and in some cases there was a belief that they were all menstruating together because there's this belief that you know not only is it you know depends on the moon when you menstruate but also that women all together will all kind of like sync up with their cycles so whether this happened mm. or not that's also debatable if that actually is a thing um but so this actually like formed a create a community of women gave them some autonomy cuz their dudes were off doing their hunting thing they could you know that the ladies were not around so they could focus all their energy on that 
And then that practice collapsed. It's the great as, ritual of Bechdel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, what were they talking about? I got Probably that reference. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the origins of the Bechdel test. So we need to look at their drawings and see, you know, what they were actually doing. But so this later transformed into something that compromised female autonomy. And this, he argues, this is a weird argument, but the change in the type of hunting that had to happen as large mammals died off, then there was more, you know, smaller mammals didn't require the same communal hunting. And also because you weren't getting like, a mammoth that would keep you for, you know, a long period of time, you're getting smaller animals, you had to hunt more regularly. So there was no cycle with the moon. So that um, you got rid of menstrual huts, you got rid of that communal women autonomous space. Hmm. And he argues, here's where it gets really weird. He said something strange happened. And he says, in many places, in order to prevent the whole system from collapsing, the men started ritualizing their own version of menstruation by cutting their penises or in some places ears, nose, or arms and bleeding together, shedding enormous amounts of blood. So there was now this, like, we need this communal menstruation ritual. So men started taking it upon themselves in ritual, like scarification rituals and and things like that. So these huts then became reassigned to new better synced male bleeding ritual spaces. As he says, they became male huts from which women were excluded, renamed as men's houses or temples. So it's this night believes that at the center of the world's patriarchal religions. So it's the Neanderthals that ruined it for everyone. Exactly. So uh, this is, you know, the spaces that women aren't allowed into when they're menstruating like this is the origin of that so it's again kind of going back to that male wound idea (laughs) that we talked about in the king in the arthurian cycle there's a lot of conjecture but it makes a lot of sense i think Mm -hmm, he's been drinking mm -hmm. the fraser aid i'm sorry no but i think it's worth noting because i mean it's interesting but it's like huh hmm i don't know but he also the argument is also that this has set the stage for the treatment and view of menstruation in extremely patriarchal cultures of the Romans, Greeks, and later religions, which moved, of course, into the West. So, you know, just food for thought. That's an interesting theory that may or may not be a little, Let me, you know. I like this theory. Let me posit one more theory. Mm-hmm. The exact yep. opposite. Okay. Okay. Fashion. Like high heels. Men wore high heels first. We look yep. good in them. Tights. Men wore tights first. Then yep. the women took them over and like, you know, whatever. Uh, men wore pumpkin pants first, right? Mm-hmm. What if... <laughs> wait. We, women eschewed those. Yeah. What if... Men wore cod Neander- pieces first. Yeah, right? <laughs> Come on. Um, uh-huh. What if in your ne- Neanderthalic society, men menstruated first and then the women took it over? Ha! If men had menstruated, we would have made it a competitive sport by now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, hygiene products would be like you'd you'd get them like every week they would show up on your doorstep. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that was fun. (laughs) We are a comedy podcast, aren't we? I think we're in that slot. (laughs) One kind of concept relating to all these fluids and the kind of the powers they are. 
that are in them. I think we're going to touch on next episode where I draw heavily from a book called Demon Lovers, which I really enjoyed. It's Mm -hmm. about the history of the witch trials, burning times, and the Malice Maleficorum, and how they're kind of used to prop up Christian beliefs in various dark ways. But there's just a few chapters on sacramentals, which are the material components of, of sacraments, but things like salt as well that can be used in magic as cleansing, kind of like magic potion type things. And then kind of by extension, anti-sacramentals that are substances used for evil rituals like baby fat and such. <gasps> oh, So okay. the occult power bound into these things, I think, is going to figure very heavily into the next episode. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So that one also will need a um, few disclaimers. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so be warned. This is a pre pre trigger warning. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you made it this far, thank you for following along with us. I enjoyed tonight. I learned a lot. I feel like we've discussed a lot. If you want to follow us on any of your favorite social media, our website is dispatch.ist. There's a follow us on then a drop down Instagram, Twitter, social, TikTok, whatever. I I don't know. I've never been. Not if TikTok. you want to, I'm we're not. We're not on the tick and the talk. I'm not prepared Victoria, let's for start TikTok. A TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're too old. We would absolutely love it if you commented, if you liked, if you subscribed. We'd love that you subscribed. I'd love it more if you told your friend, hey, listen to Jamin, Jacob, and Victoria talk about things. Yes, we talk about things. Oh, did we talk about things today? Why did we talk about things? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you followed along. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Catch us next time as we talk more about babies. Yes. And we'll see you in hell. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. <laughs>